Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Hello, friends. It is August 20th, 2023, as I record this. Valerie and I are excited to share this interview with you. Rich Perez and Beth Carroll are incredible. They are inspiring, compassionate, and dedicated to uplifting others. Rich through acting, writing, and artistic directing, and Beth in her role as senior pastor. We talk about their journeys, both personal and professional, and their experiences of improv with Ken Adams and Synergy Theater. If you are listening to this before September 9th, 2023, you can see Rich in his current acting role in The Birds at the Altarina Playhouse in Alameda, California. Go to altarina.org. You can find more about Beth's role as senior pastor at Oakland City Church. And Synergy Theater has a new season of shows starting October 19th with Z is for Zombie. Visit SynergyTheater.com to get your tickets. Okay, on to the interview. Rich Perez and Reverend Beth Carroll, thank you so, so much for being here today. Valerie and I are so excited to get the chance to talk with each of you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Thank you. It's an honor. Wonderful. Okay, so I have questions. You have answers. I can't wait to begin, but I also don't know who to begin with because you're both so fascinating. I'm having trouble. So in a nod to Synergy Theater's previous show that just wrapped at the Lesher Center, uh, A Roll of the Dice, I have a die here. Is that how you say it when 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 it's singular? You say die. Right? Yes. Thanks. I'm pretty sure that's correct. Okay, great. Thank you. I have a singular die here and I'm going to roll it. If I roll an even number, I'm going to start with Reverend Beth Carroll. If I roll an odd number, I'm going to start with actor, writer, director, educator, Richard Perez. Are you ready? We are ready. Ready. Three, two, one. It's a two. Yay. (laughs) Reverend Carol. Please call me Beth. Beth, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. you. I want to speak with you about how Synergy Theater's improv education delivered by Ken Adams, the artistic director. I want to talk about how that has helped you, but I can't go there until I ask you this question, or I want to talk about the moment when you decided that you would leave sales management <laughs> and and go in another direction. Can, uh, we, can we talk about that moment, please? Sure. That could be its own podcast in itself. So I will keep it very brief. I've always been a person of faith. My Christian religion has always been an integral part of my life. Never in a million years did I ever think I would become a pastor. And I got to a point in my life 
where I got very angry at the church because when I read the Bible and I especially read the words of Jesus, I see a movement that is about justice for all people and is about liberation. And that is who Jesus was. And the church I was a part of at the time was not only not about the work of justice and liberation, but it was the very obstacle to that. I knew I had to do one of two things. I either had to do something about it or had to leave. And so I chose to do something about it. So I went to went back to school, went to seminary, became a pastor. All that happened about 10 years ago. And here I am. Oh. <laughs> that 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 was short and oh, oh my gosh talk about between the lines okay so 10 years ago yeah. do you, do you remember the moment i'm i'm not going to let it go do you remember mm. the moment where you thought to yourself i just can't anymore i've got to do something what was i do that, what was that moment it was in a voice lesson of all places. I'm also, I have a background. I'm a singer and was an actor at one point. And I've, though I have not done those things professionally, I've always, um, especially studied voice for many years. And my voice teacher, his name is Nicholas. Nicholas is gay and Nicholas was an atheist. And we would have these incredible conversations during my voice lessons. And at the time I was living in a really small town I was trying out brand new churches. And every time I would go and visit a church, I'd come to my voice lesson and say, hey, Nicholas, visited this church, yada, yada, yada. It was really cool. And he would ask me at the end of those conversations, would I be welcome at that church? And I would have to say, no, Nicholas, you would not. It was about the fourth or fifth time of trying out a church, talking to Nicholas about it and having Nicholas ask me that question that finally kind of broke the dam and enraged me. And I'm like, no more. I need to figure out a way to be a part of the solution to this problem and not somebody who's enabling a structure that has meant oppression for so many people. So you developed a heart for Nicholas. Mm-hmm. I well, did. Absolutely. And how did that happen? Well, Nicholas was my my friend. I think having a background in the arts, I've always been surrounded by like especially queer identifying people. And Nicholas was just my friend. He wasn't an enigma. He just was a good, solid human being who deserved justice and love in our tiny little town that did not always give people like Nicholas justice and love. Everybody deserves that. And I think all of us as human beings Whenever we see the places in our own circles and in our own places where there are people who are not loved and empowered, we should always use our voice to do what we can to offer that to people. So this was my odd way <laughs> of trying to do that. So when you told Nicholas your plan, what did he say? Yeah, I mean, he, that's a good, you know, as I've told the story, I've actually never been asked that particular question before. I don't think to this day, I've had a number of conversations with Nicholas since then, and he kind of just like minimizes it. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> you know, like he just, I, I just don't think like it's, he's, he plays such a powerful like role in who the person I've become today. And he's just kind of a humble guy. And so I think, sure, on a certain level, I think it, probably makes him happy to know that somebody is trying to make a, a change because of the influence he had. But 
Um, but I also think he's pretty understandably bitter towards the institutional church and religion. I also, at the same time, don't think he gives it a whole lot of thought either. This is somebody who it's what they call like the butterfly effect. You know, when somebody says something or does something that is just you showing up in the regular common way that you as an individual show up and like that, but, but you being yourself has the power change the course for somebody else like we all have that and I just think that that's a pretty pretty powerful thing about being human yes you made the decision to step into that kind of role when you made the decision to move from your comfort zone toward a new horizon that was calling you you made the decision to become a storyteller and someone who would listen to people who feel like they're not being heard mm. someone who is willing to go an extra distance for someone who is struggling, for someone who is searching. Mm -hmm. And like I said, a storyteller, someone who inspires others, someone who is willing to become a figurehead as well. And that, that was, that's huge. W were you scared? Yeah. Fierce, sure. At times, you know, sometimes I, I still get scared. It's, Sometimes it's never an easy thing to be a person who is saying something strong or something that is not always nice. <laughs> not that we're, we say things that are cruel or whatever, but yeah, I mean, it's some, truth is rarely easy. Otherwise, more people would tell the truth. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the powerful thing about story, and, and, and it's so interesting because actually Jesus was a master storyteller himself. The New Testament is filled with Jesus's stories and stories are so powerful because instead of somebody telling you you're right or wrong, stories leave space for conviction and change. It invites you into something and allows you to see yourself maybe in ways that you didn't see yourself before. There's something incredibly invitational about stories. Stories are potentially maybe even our path forward as a society in a place that's become so divided and people barking commands at each other and arguing, stories are subversive and they level our defenses and allow us through compassion and empathy, especially to be able to see ourselves in new ways, maybe hard ways, maybe encouraging ways. Stories are so powerful. What story would you like to have as your own story five years from now? And to help you, let's bring everyone onto the current page. You have really just recently moved from Michigan to Northern California, completely uprooting yourselves, you and Rich, and moving out here to a culture all its own. You have become a senior leader of the Oakland City Church. Yeah. And take it from there. What kind of story would you like to have five years from now? I would love to continue to create and build and strengthen a community of people that cares for each other well, that begins to see themselves as individuals in new light, to feel so connected and grounded to themselves, to God, to each other, that they start to behave and care for other people 
in ways that maybe even surprise themselves to be kind of like little lights that offer love and care to other people to be able to influence people in either that circle um, at my church or other circles to be a little better, I think would, would be amazing to be able to see that. And you really kind of beyond that, like I'm not somebody like in some ways I'm the most unmotivated person in the world (laughs) because I'm not one of those people who sits around and says like, where do I want to be five years from now? I probably should ask myself that more. But I try to be really focused on the present and try to ground myself in where I am, who's in my circle of influence, and just do the next best thing. And I found in my life, if I just do that, I end up perhaps landing someplace that's bigger and better than I could have even imagined for myself. Yes, I can see that. And if you look back five years Mm. ago, look at that. Oh, yeah. Now, let's talk about your experience with Ken Adams and his improv class. And Mm -hmm. I would love to know what improv skills that you have had learned prior to taking his class, Mm -hmm. or maybe this was your first improv class. I'd like to hear about your experience and your journey to his class. So I give a lot of this credit in terms of my improv journey to my husband, Rich, Rich has lots of incredible gifts. And one of them is that he's incredibly optimistic. He's incredibly just kind of the kind of person who is, let's try this, let's do this. And like, I'm more of an Eeyore. So his presence in my life, he has encouraged me to try new things. And it's because of Rich, really, that I've tried improv. So my first experience with improv was probably about six or seven years ago. Rich and I took a several day intensive class at Second City in Chicago, and which is near where we used to live. And it was a sketch writing and improvisation class. I, I too am also a writer. And he and I wrote a couple of sketch comedies together and learned a lot. And it was a bit out of my comfort zone, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So moving to a place like the East Bay was just a great, there's just a lot more opportunities both to do improv and try new things, but also to see a lot of stuff. Rich and Ken were friends from back in New York City many years ago. And so Rich connected with Ken and Ken and Rich both invited me to take this class, which probably on my own, had they not invited me, I probably wouldn't have taken because that's a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I'm so grateful that I did. What was your first class experience? If you had to pick a word to describe, (laughs) what word would you pick? Uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean that in the best way possible, right? We Uh We don't grow and discover things about ourselves without being uncomfortable. But also fun. Improvisation reminds me a lot of the kind of ways that we used to play when we were kids, like that, that space of imagination and wondering and no filter, and just letting yourself go, say and do things, the first things that come to mind. And when you're a little kid, like, that's nor it's normal, right? And then sometime like after the age of eight or nine, like it becomes not celebrated anymore. You learn about filters and you learn that if you say or do things that are are strange, you get 
corrected. And so to revisit that space where you just have permission to take the filter away, it's just such a crucible for learning about yourself and the world. I am somebody who suffers from both anxiety and also I have a learning disability that affects my ability to memorize. And when I was in theater, memorization was always such a difficult thing for me. But to be in this place where that handicap is taken away, it's kind of like this lab place for me to learn how to show up in the moment and not be held captive by my anxiety um, is something that I can take with me and I do take with me to my vocation, to the ways I show up on a Sunday morning and be braver in saying and doing things in a way that is more spontaneous than I think I would be otherwise. So there's just so many stinking gifts that I learn from improv that I take with me into my life, even as a life that is not as a theater artist. Based on that, your experience and I'm hoping that you're going to continue with the classes as you are able. Yes. How is it helping you to create brave and safe spaces for people who approach you? I think it's about trusting myself more. The more grounded you are in the moment, the more that you're listening to the people who are around you. It's, you know, as Ken likes to say in classes, one of the rules of improv is making your partner look good and taking what people are giving you and working with it in the moment. And when you're focused on other people and less on your own inadequacies, it helps you to be more present to yourself and others and to not second guess, not to doubt yourself. You just act, you just move. That mindset has allowed me to get out of my own way and just be more present to myself and to others. And how is being more present, how do you see that affecting other people around you? Because I'm allowed to show up and sometimes make mistakes, but also seeing that as long as we are connecting with the people around us, there's something actually weirdly beautiful about people who are willing to make mistakes. It makes other people feel more comfortable. It makes other people feel like they have permission to make mistakes. I've never really been, even though I'm a pastor, I've never really been like about that life where somehow I'm supposed to have some moral standard or ability to live life more perfectly. That's just a big myth. What this allows me to do is just to continue to lean into being my, the truest version of myself. And hopefully it settles other people and allows them to do the same, be the same too. Absolutely. In my experience in an improv class, when I'm really present, I am so deep in the scene and mm. having so much fun and time is irrelevant. It, it just feels so good to be in that space. I like this quote and I hope I don't mess it up, but it goes like this. Happiness is reality minus expectations. Oh, and, yeah. and when you are truly in the moment, and for me in the moment in an improv scene with someone, I, 
it, it doesn't get better <laughs> for mm. me than that. Thank you so much for your honesty and for your mm. presence, Beth. This My was amazing. Pleasure. And I, I want to bring in Rich and I love how you credit Rich with bringing you into improv and rich i would love to start with you in a place where I, of course i want to speak about your acting and your writing and your directing and your educating and the role that you have now in hitchcock's the birds i want to talk about that which is opening but first i can't help it i have to ask how did you and beth first meet oh Okay. Well, first of all, I want to say that lady is a tough act to follow. I just love, I've heard those stories before and it still moves my heart to hear how incredible she is. So to back up a little bit to 2013, I guess it was, I had just moved to Holland, Michigan to start teaching at a college there. Also, I was the managing director of the summer theater hired to do that as well. And the person who I was taking over from took me to this little Italian restaurant in town that was beloved by the community. And it was lunchtime and we were the only ones sitting at the bar. And there was this stunning bartender who served me my first drink in Holland, Michigan. We became friends. We were both in other relationships, but our friendship grew over the years. And a few years later, we were both in a position to start dating, and the rest is history, as they say. Okay. Who asked who first? I, I think I probably did, and she'll be the first to tell you our first date was a little awkward because she was such a, an amazing human being, and I didn't want to mess it up. And I remember having, I, we went and had a a beer at a local eatery and I had something planned right after. And I think, you know, she's often said, like, I, I kind of felt after that first time we met that you weren't really interested in me, which was the exact opposite. I was totally crazy about her, but I think it took a little, a few times to get together and, and hang out and, and get to know each other on a different level that I think we both kind of knew that this was the right path to, to venture down. Well, I love that story. And as you talk about the Italian restaurant in my head, pops in that scene from Lady and the Tramp where they're sharing a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> yes, I love you know that. the one. Okay. Yeah, of course. Uh, Except I don't share my food, so <laughs> <laughs> she shares mine, though. Uh, totally. <laughs> What's a favorite something, an activity that the two of you like to do together, Rich? Oh well, we both love theater. And we both love stand-up comedy. So we see a lot of stand-up comedy, whether it's on television or going to clubs. That's that's definitely one of our, our faves. Now, as you made this big decision together to move from Holland, Michigan to Northern California, how did you support each other through that? We're pretty well matched in that we both allow each other to freak out and take turns and just support each other at those moments. And sooner or later, we get to our destination, right? You know, we we drove cross country with a, a cat that does not like to be in the car. Um, that was certainly an adventure. We laugh a lot. I think that's a big part of it. We were able to kind of step back and just see how ludicrous some of life situations are. And we just, we crack up quite a bit. 
Do you have any advice you'd like to throw into the past, your past selves? Go ahead. Well, I think it's something I still am learning to do each day, and that is it's going to get better and learning and reminding myself that this too shall pass and to breathe more. You know, I find myself throughout the day, especially the more crazy my schedule gets, often feeling like I'm not fully breathing. It sounds so simple, and yet it's such a huge part, especially in what we do as as creative artists on stage, you know. Well, let's all take a breath right now. I'm inspired. You lead us, Rich. Go ahead. All right. Big breath in. And... I was waiting for you to say exhale. <laughs> oh, I guess. So sorry about that. <laughs> that feels so good. And yeah, it really does know. bring you into the moment. Absolutely. And I'm picturing the two of you. Well, maybe there were more people involved, but I'm picturing the two of you with one very angry cat in a vehicle in, I don't know, in my mind's eye, it's it's baking hot on the way over many miles. The road is long, but you made it here. And oh my gosh. Do you feel, Rich, like you have started a new chapter in your role as an artist and performer? Oh, that's such a great question and so relevant because absolutely. In many ways, I came to California. I'm from here originally, but it had been a long time since I had lived here. And obviously, the theater community has changed a great deal, especially after COVID. And so I felt like I had to throw a bunch of things against the wall to see what sticks and see where and to hopefully find my place. And fortunately, it started with Ken's class, which was such a gift, reconnecting with Ken. We were both improvisers in New York together in theater sports. And it was just Ken is, I don't have to tell you, is so brilliant. And was I was always a big fan of his uh, while we were performing just watching him, I learned so much. But then coming here and and starting with Ken's class and then just branching out, going to auditions, talking to people about possibly directing and suddenly and, and teaching and suddenly things started slowly to fall into place. And that's where I am now. I'm just learning so much about what I'm doing, what I want to do and where I want to put my efforts. So just huge gifts since I've gotten here and just really grateful. Well, which place are you putting your effort in artistically now? Would you like to talk about Hitchcock? Sure, sure. I'm currently in a play called The Birds, and it is actually, it's The Birds is, is based on a, a short story by Daphne Maurier, I think. And the movie was based on the short story, and the play is also based on the short story. Neither one are alike, except that the birds are taking over the world. So in this version, there's three people locked in a cabin trying to figure out how to coexist and lots of surprises along the way in terms of how we live in a world that has dramatically changed and the sort of dangers outside the wall, the four walls. And it's been a fascinating journey to be part of this production and really challenging since we're being transparent. It had been many years since I've had a role this large because I've predominantly become a director. And I won't lie, it's kicking my butt in a really profound way in terms of just really trying to let go of expectations 
around myself and my work. And I think I've worked harder on this play than any play I've ever taken on in my in my career. And it's I'm struggling. And I think there are some nights are better than others, but it is taught me so much about the expectations I put on myself and that the reality is I'm also getting older and lines are harder for me to memorize. And my stage uh, fright has its moments and takes over sometimes. And so all those things together, I, w- I wouldn't change this experience for anything because I think these are the things that I have to go through in order to be a better director, educator, and all those things. They're not easy lessons, and I wouldn't <laughs> want to impose them on anybody, but they are what I need to know how to move forward as an artist. Will you describe what the role is and how it appeals to you, and then also what you are finding, if anything, challenging in the particular role? Sure. Gosh, these are such great questions. And obviously things I've been thinking a lot about. So the character is, there's two main characters who have met on the road. This woman, as the birds have taken over the world, and this woman met me, I was very sick. And so she fortunately was able to get us both to a cabin that was abandoned. And we're there. And she soon finds out that I've had a complex past, been institutionalized for a short time. And the character's name is Nat. How does Nat navigate being in this situation and in many ways trying to overcome his own demons of this incredible rage that often arises and also trying to be a good person and take care of her and ultimately somebody else who comes and joins us. And so the challenge, I think, is the way it's written, there's there's these extreme behaviors, this, like I said, this incredible rage that is constantly underneath, and also this past where his ex, ex-girlfriend had him institutionalized and trying to be a, a better person. And so certainly I love those those personality traits and how they come into conflict as an actor. It's, I think it's fun to play. I don't know if I've always, if I've found the seamless traveling back and forth between those states of mind, those are the things that I continue to work on, but those are some of the the challenges. And I just love the humanity of somebody who's at odds with those different parts of themselves. Cause I think for most of us, we have those two conflicting parts of ourselves at play often. Yes, absolutely. So as an as an actor, when you encounter uncomfortable traits of a role that you may be playing, how do you come to terms with those traits and then deliver them in an authentic and true way? When what I'm saying is you internally may not be comfortable with something like rage or something like a wobbly mental past as far as sure. mental health goes how do you embrace it while instinctually not feeling comfortable with it uh, again that's such a great question you know ironically i think that is the part that i feel 
as an actor, most comfortable with now at this stage in my career. I used to be much more adverse to facing those parts of myself. But I think just to be honest, years of therapy, a desire to want to be able to fully embrace all aspects of my personality. That's the first thing I teach in my classes that as an actor, there's no part of you that is negative if you use it in a constructive way, right? And so to be able to embrace all those parts of ourselves is really such a gift to yourself as a, as a developing human being and also to the audience because you want to be able to fully express those things. So I think I've gotten really comfortable with that. So in some ways, that's the easy part for me. It's, it's the other parts of, I, I think I also used to be much more interested in does the audience like me which is a death sentence for any acting, right? Or improv or anything. It's it's about fully embracing this character and, and bringing them to life. And I think the hardest part for me at this point is, am I doing it right? Which again is is just, it shouldn't be part of the equation. Mm, you have that, to f- that is an anti-improv uh, question there. Absolutely. And, uh, and it's anti-acting uh, in general, I think. You can only be as honest as you can with each beat of the play and and creating this character, and then the rest is out of your hands, right? And those are the things that I think, because I haven't been on stage for a long time, I'm having to relearn, you know? People often say, oh, it's like riding a bicycle, and it's like, well, maybe I feel like I'm at a tricycle stage right now. That's actually really refreshing to hear you say from an outsider's perspective. It's easy for me to assume that once you're an actor and you have the skills, it's it's a skill that, that kind of stays the same over the course of your life. But to hear that your skills as an actor will change over the course of your life as you, for lack of a better word, mature and have life experiences. I like that so that you're not the same kind of actor you were 10 years ago. Now, I know that you have a deep background in improv, and I would like to know what improv skills are you bringing to this current role uh, of Nat? Well, I'll start by saying probably not enough. <laughs> the breath thing, certainly, now that we're in, in consistent performances, has really been instrumental. And that's not necessarily an improv rule, but it's a, a good rule for all creative people, right? To, uh, be, be connected to your breath. I think yes. um, you're not getting oxygen to your brain, then... Mm-hmm you're probably shutting yourself off from all kinds of impulses and other things. When I think about one of the most important things when you're on stage with another human being is that listening that that is so huge, listening and reacting and in the moment as opposed to preconceived reactions of how you think it should be as opposed to what you're really experiencing in that moment or preconceived emotions, all those things that are death to acting and death to improv. Those reminders are always with me and and doing my best to be with my scene partner and listen, make eye contact, try to be as in the moment as possible. One of the things I love about Ken's teaching is he communicates almost effortlessly 
that you as someone who's going to engage in a scene, you are fully formed. You you come to a scene and you have everything you need and there's really no question of are you good enough or can you do it well? That That's one of the things I love about Ken's teaching style. He assumes and he communicates that to all of his students, you, you're here. And I love that principle. Does that resonate with you? Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And there are those, you know, again, as I said earlier, there's as many of the challenges that I have through this process, there's so many gifts and they're, again, they're hard gifts, but to earn, but they're also just really wonderful reminders that, art doesn't happen in a vacuum and it's not just this one thing that you're you're getting out of the experience and some of those lessons you'll learn down the road and some are happening right now and that's been a really wonderful thing to say i have busted my butt on this role and i've given it everything i can and i'm still making mistakes and I have to be okay with that. And I was going to say, forgive myself. In some ways, that's what it is for me personally, because I want to be perfect and art isn't perfect. The best art never is. That's my small opinion. Uh, (laughs) To typify this story, the birds, as like an animal attack story is to really shortchange it right? It, it's much more powerful than that at its roots from the short story that you referenced. Do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. the first thing I thought about was that it was a written about the pandemic and it was written actually five years before the pandemic, but it's exactly what it feels like that we're shut in this house and there is something trying to kill us outside. Yes. And what I like about the premise of the story is it kind of lulls you in the beginning it's as as a very simple premise it's just people trying to survive but the action but the action that is taken one person doing in quotes the right thing for another person who is struggling under those circumstances that's really where the 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 meat of the story is this this person who finds your character struggling caretakes for that character and finds shelter And then it's not that simple, right? Absolutely not. And that is such a human experience where we set forth with the best of intentions and then life happens. (laughs) And it's all interpersonal and the conflict is all based on relationships. Can you speak a little bit more about how you find the relationships of this story so profound? Sure. Well, and and you so beautifully encapsulated it. I think we, as human beings, most of us are, are each day trying to do our best for ourselves and for those around us and those people that we care about. And as you said so eloquently, life happens. And we are forced to make choices that are not always easy choices to make. And the more deeply we love people, those choices get even more complicated. And especially because there's, as we mentioned earlier, there's these 
different parts of ourselves that have different needs at different times. And sometimes we make good choices and other times we make choices that maybe are a little selfish or are somehow motivated by something far deeper than just a simple relationship in front of us that was not having certain needs met when we were very young or all those things that make up the human being that we are. And that's what great theater does, right? It it explores all those, the complexity of who we are as human beings. And that's why I love it so much. It took me a while to recognize, and again, this is something that Ken taught me, it took me a while to recognize that the, that a story is not always about what is happening. What makes a story really engaging and one that the audience loves and will not forget is the story of the relationships within the story. And in this story of the birds, the relationships, uh, again, are just fascinating. And I almost regret that Hitchcock's The Birds is looked at as like a horror film because mm. it's so much more than that. Absolutely. The the instant that I understood from again from Ken's teaching that no matter what else is happening in the scene that it can be funny, it can be sad, the circumstances can be bizarre and hilarious when you can with your scene partner together when you can really nurture a relationship for an audience, that is what makes the audience sit up and inch to the edge of their seats. And I, I hope that I can go forward and, and do better in each scene that I'm in, nurturing and displaying what it's like to just be human in a human relationship. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I was bemoaning to my brother a little bit this morning, just talking about the challenges I've been going through. And I, I am on stage with some immensely talented people and I have my own moments. So this production is worth seeing, but I just personally, these are my struggles. So I just want to make that clear. But one of the things that he said in his, in his wisdom, he said, Hey, if on closing night, it's the best night you've had because you've grown, then, then it's all worth it. And it still may not be perfect, but that doesn't matter. It's about going forward, constantly working and, and doing your best each night. And that's that's all we really can do. And which such a, if, for me, as somebody who teaches and who is now going to be a running a, a theater company, I was just hired to be a new artistic director of a company in Lafayette. Mm -hmm. um, that is like the, the greatest lesson I can learn from all of this is... Yes. How am I, I have to give the same grace that I give myself, I have to give to everybody else. Extend that grace. Yes. And the inverse as well. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. much, much easier giving grace than receiving it. Right. Oh, yes. Now, I would love to talk a little bit about the artistic director role that you have now stepped into. And it's very new, as I understand it, of Town Hall Theater in Lafayette. This is very exciting. And I imagine you just must be so excited. I am so thrilled. The people there are just so fantastic. And I think in many ways, the gifts that I have joining the incredible gifts that they have, I think we're going to do some really exciting things. And I'm just feel very grateful that they 
chose me and I, I just want to make sure that we do some phenomenal work moving forward. I have no doubt and I hope it's okay, but I think I can say with confidence that what Ken would say is that you come to this fully formed. <laughs> well, that's yeah. yeah. Now, sweet. Valerie has been a part of this, but she did say at the very beginning that she wasn't going to say anything because she just wanted to listen. But Valerie, do you have any questions for our incredible guests? Oh, no, no questions. I've just been just like the audience. Like I said, I'm just thrilled to meet two more people through Synergy. And it's been so great seeing you guys at rehearsals and at the show recently. Every new person I meet through Synergy just brings so much more to it. And just so grateful to know you both and learn. And for both of you sharing your your stories with us today. Thank you. Yes. Now, I would like to give both of you the opportunity to please speak to what you want to promote. Rich, would you please go ahead first? Sure. The Birds runs until the 9th of September and 8 o'clock shows Thursdays, Fridays, and 2 p.m. shows on Sundays. It's a wild ride. So come and watch me be vulnerable and watch some amazing actors who I I'm fortunate enough to be on the stage with. And I know that there's a big group of Synergy students and performers that can't wait to watch one of the shows and are being supportive. And Beth, would you also like to talk about something that you would like to promote? Sure. First of all, yeah, all the love and enthusiasm for the birds. Highly recommend going and seeing it. It's a great show. Um, and yeah, for anybody who's looking for a church community, looking for, especially after the pandemic, a place to connect with others and unite around the idea of justice and love for our greater community, feel free to look us up. It's Oakland City Church. We are in Oakland on the corner of Coolidge Avenue and MacArthur, right in the middle of the city. So come and check us out Sundays at 9.30 a.m. I love it. And I highly recommend that anyone who is interested in seeing Beth as a storyteller online, you can. I highly recommend that as well. And Rich, I just wanted to touch on one last thing with you, which I find of interest. I understand that you have a recurring role on a show that's called The Boss with Kelsey Grammer. Yes. I mean, it, that's been off the air for a while, but that was there. I'm sure you can find reruns somewhere. But the second season of Boss, I was a recurring character. Yes. And thank you again, both so much. I would love to have you back on after the birds wraps, perhaps to speak more about your experience there, Rich. And please just know that we, we all know that you're wonderful. Beth, you as well. And you got this. Thank you so much. You've been great. Okay. Have a wonderful Thank day you. today. Thank you, Thank so you both. both. Thanks, Sarah. So much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye now. And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. 
Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you.